This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 109, about Gotham, A Dark Knight, season 4, episode 8. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast. Welcome, ladies and Grundy fans. We're back with episode eight of season four of Gotham. Stop hitting yourself. I have to say, one of the funniest moments I've seen on Gotham in quite a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have fights. The chickens have returned, mm. like uh, Gary Larson. Home ch- to roost. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome back. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hi, and I am one of your other hosts, John. There's loads to talk about in this episode. This is our spoiler-filled discussion, as, as we always do every week for Gotham. This season, really been enjoying this season so far. It's been some really cool stuff going on. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts by going through gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes, or just pop on over to the website, Gotham TV Podcast, and there'll be a bunch of links on there for any good or villainous podcast catcher where you can subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, been great interaction about this episode as well. Lots of fun uh, emails that have come in and lots of good uh, good comments over on twitter as well there's been some really good fun on this episode yes and of course remember with all this fun that means there are line of the week there are characters of the week there is scene of the week Uh, what is your favorite moment of gotham episode by episode and of course you'll be in with a chance to win a fantastic gotham prize I know we say fantastic, and we've probably been saying this every week, and we haven't shared what our prize is, but we have chosen what the prize is. Yes. We just need to make sure we can get one, but it's a really good prize. It will be an excellent prize. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Very cool. Anyway, I think it's time to get on to our spoiler-filled discussion. Absolutely. Just to say, if you're a collector, you will like the prize. Very good, John. Very good. So, with that, on to um, our spoiler-filled review. Derek, what are some of the episode details for this episode of Gotham? Yes, this episode was directed by Rob Bailey, one of one of the most prolific directors on Gotham. We've he's done eight episodes so far. Uh, interestingly, he did the season finale for season three of Gotham, which was Heavy Dirty Soul. Um, but I think this is the best reference that we have in here. Did you remember the moment in this episode where Penguin is told that he needs to get some chickens in? The reason why he's told that is because Rob Bailey directed Penguin's Umbrella, episode 7 of season 1, where we do see Penguin arriving at uh, Falcone's mansion and Falcone tending to his chickens. So I think that's the reason why it's in there is because of the director, Rob Bailey, which is quite cool. Yes, absolutely. Chickens, well, they're after us, aren't they? According to Gary Larson, uh, (laughs) they are the enemy. They are the most intelligent beings on Earth, and we don't know. And tasty. Yeah. This episode was written by Charlie Houston. Uh, He was the showrunner on the TV show Powers. It's his first episode of Gotham, but he has been a consultant producer so far in this season. He's been involved in in about three episodes so far this season, and has now come on board with his first episode of Gotham. And I think we can probably agree already, without spoiling our rating, that this is one of the best episodes of the season so far. Yeah, well, it was really, really good um, and really mixed as well. There were some real proper good scenes uh, in uh-huh. this episode between Jim and Harvey and also a lot of laughs Absolutely. as well. A Absolutely. lot of laughs. A great fun episode. But, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. 
Enigma is using Cherry's fight show uh, with Grundy to poke fun at Penguin. But when Penguin gets wind of this slight, he sends Tabitha, Barbara, and Selina to retrieve Ed and Firefly to kill them if they fail. When Tabitha lays eyes on Grundy, she recognizes her former lover and tries to bring Grundy back. Ed uses Grundy in a winner-takes-all fight between him and Tabitha to try and stop the sirens from taking him back to Oswald. When it looks like they have failed in their mission, Firefly tries to make them pay, but Leslie Tompkins intervenes and saves them all. After Barbara discovers that club owner Cherry sold Ed out and the people from the Narrows hate Penguin, she signs her resignation letter with a bullet to Cherry's head, leaving Leslie with the keys to the club. Meanwhile, Jim is also rising in the ranks as the mayor offers him the role of captain if he takes over from Bullock. After much deliberation, Jim signs the letter of promotion from the mayor as he relieves Harvey of his position, and in doing so, his friendship with Harvey heads for troubled waters. Elsewhere, after a bad night at the crime office, the penny drops for Penguin as he begins to understand that friendship has once again blindsided him. Yeah, lots of fun stuff and lots of serious stuff in this episode. Some really cool, interesting stuff going on um, in Gotham and in the Narrows particularly. Let's get on to case note number one. Ed as Penguin in the Narrows. I think this deserves its own case point. It really does. I kind of get the feeling that Corey Michael Smith is really missing all the work that he did with Robin Lord Taylor last season. (laughs) You can tell that he's worked very hard at Robin Lord Taylor because he can do a really good impression of the Penguin. I know he's joking and I know he's criticizing how Penguin does things, but there's no better way to do that than using your personal experience of acting alongside an actor to really get a good version of their voice and a good version of how they act. He even has the limp that Penguin had had since season one. He's even had that in there as a moment as he's walking across the ring. What do you think of this scene, John? Oh, definitely. I think um, it's a really good spoof of the Penguin. I mean, I love the tattered umbrella, the mm-hmm. kind of furly hook beak that he's put on as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the the wildly styled hair as well. It's just so well done. Um, and I think Corey Michael Smith really captures uh, Oswald Cobblepot uh, from from the show so well. And of course, you know, it's really this this period and it's really this parodying uh, and this spoof of the Penguin as well that gradually gets Oswald's attention as yeah. well uh, in this episode and, and causes a lot then and causes then a lot of the fun that happens at Cherry's Fight Club. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just really, really good. I remember um, we watched that TV show about women's wrestling from the 80s, Glow, that was yeah. on Netflix. That's a, This really felt like this underground fight club where they're doing the things that they do in WWE wrestling every week, the kind of storylines that you have to introduce your lead character. Um, really interesting stuff. But it does lead to probably one of the most brutal scenes I've seen on Gotham so far. When Grundy comes out and is fighting his ridiculously named uh, opponent murder face uh, <laughs> that's the name of the guy yeah. that's got spikes on his head like something out of uh, walking dead um the guy keeps headbutting grundy and slashing his face and then he rips off his arm and yeah. beats him to death with it he Stop. does that twice as well in in this episode and tries to do it to tap it yeah. later on as well what a what a special move grundy <laughs> has that's ridiculous. I suspect we won't see that at the Royal Rumble anytime soon. Probably not. Probably um, not. But the chant from the audience as uh, Grundy is beating and killing a murder face with his own arm is Stop Hitting Yourself. This stop title, Hitting Yourself. The title of the episode. And I like the sing-song voice that uh, that Corey Michael Smith puts on when he's in his spangly Riddler costume as he's going, I love hearing.
hearing the audience sing out this song of Grundy, Stop Hitting Yourself. Stop Hitting Yourself. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, this is the, this is the Narrows. I know that Selena makes a comment later on going, they really do like their murder here, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Or Barbara makes the comment and Selena goes, let's get out of here before they decide they want another murder. Well, absolutely. Um, they're a bloodthirsty gang. Stop Hitting Yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was really good uh, atmosphere. I think it cherries uh, Fight Club for sure. And I think, um, yeah. On to our second case note. Mm -hmm. It is ladies' night at Cherry's Fight Club. You know, we have um, both the Tigress versus Grundy, Leslie and Barbara. Um, We have Ed and Selena, Mm -hmm. uh, which I must say, I really loved her putting on the excitable child voice. um, And then he sees the shoes. And I just loved the way the legs kind of go all kind of crooked as she's like almost doing a golf swing to to hit (laughs) and knock Ed out. Uh, Really, really good. Uh um, and I think the, the interaction between Leslie and Barbara, you know, these two women scorned oh, yes. uh, from from Jim, it's really, really good. I like that Leslie gives Barbara a good old whack. Um, and then there's that whole conversation of, um, what about turning the other cheek? And she goes, I can do if you want. You know, really, <laughs> really good. I love the interaction between these two. And I, I love how this scene starts off where they arrive in the club prepared for anything except what they actually get which i think is really good just the faces of barbara and uh, and selena and of tabitha as they're looking on at this spectacle of ed doing his his penguin kind of going this guy needs to be killed for what he's doing how is this playing with this audience yeah and then the second fight with grundy where mm-hmm. he comes on again rips off another limb um and yeah that's just so good when you see um tigress really go Oh my goodness, it's Butch. And then you have that great moment from um, Barbara where she goes, it means you owe me an apology for electrocuting me. You know, <laughs> um, it's just so good. And I mean, the the comedy and humor value of this kind of like shocked look from the three ladies, mm-hmm. from the sirens is just so good. Absolutely. And there is also that comment from uh, from Barbara when she sees Grundy and notices him there going, I hope he doesn't take that shot to the head personally either. Uh, <laughs> yes. it, I don't know. I, I really like this scene. The only thing that stood out to me that I thought was a bit weird was that they, that Barbara seemed to know that Ed was uh, lowered in capacity in, um, in his mind. When they're going over to the club, they have the conversation where Selena says they need to be prepared for anything because he's a very intelligent guy and Barbara knows that he's not even though they've only just been told that he is there so I just think that kind of came out of nowhere I don't know why the line was in there um, and I don't know why Barbara would know that but it's still a really really fun scene one of the question I have that I can't even google because we've been calling Tabitha Tigress since her first appearance on the show in fact from the first casting of Tabitha Gallivan from the beginning we'd searched it up and realized this is a character that in the comic books becomes Tigress I can't remember if this is the first time you've ever heard a called out that her name is the Tigress or was she called the Tigress by her brother in the past? Has Ed just given her the name or is it something that she's had in the past? I just can't remember. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where she's primarily known as Tabitha um, yeah. in, in the series. Um, but yeah, we have her called out as Tigress by Ed. And that's fantastic because she is. She's the Tigress yeah. and we've got the cat as well. They're still together. They're in the sirens with Babs. You know, this was a nice little call out and certainly because of when she goes in to fight Grundy in this winner takes all match between the two of them. And it's interesting again that, you know, from the first fight, 
the, the repeated beatings from Murderface, Grundy begins to get flashbacks from his past, and in particular, Tabitha is in those. Yeah. And again, when she begins to um, need a, an implement to beat him away because she's getting um, her ass handed to her on mm-hmm. a plate by Grundy at one stage, you know, she's there kind of thinking, no, he's not going to hit me, he's going to remember me. In the end, she's on the floor, she gets past, you know, it's like a tap-in uh, on the wrestling yeah. where um, Barbara gives her I don't know, some kind of multi-hammer-headed uh, Bat. baton or yeah. something. Uh, it looked pretty brutal. Yeah, I think, ne- it, I think Negan from The Walking Dead would probably yeah. be, put that to a lot of good use. But again, a few of those hits with that, and Grundy begins to remember her again. And we get the moment where actually... We don't get Grundy's voice, we get Butcher's voice. So that's really, really interesting. It's really and cute, yeah. yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, is that going to kind of play out in the long term, or is this just a one-off? But it was a really nice little touch that he he reverts back to Butcher's voice rather than that me Grundy you yeah. Jane kind of thing. You know, <laughs> I am wondering it would be a really strange decision after creating the character of Butch Gilzine and bringing him in to become a comic book character Solomon Grundy. And then having him turn back into his original form would be very odd. He is dead. We know that Butch Gilzine is dead and has come back as this zombie Grundy. So I don't know whether they're going to go that way and whether they're going to give him back all of his memories. It would seem odd, I suppose. Um, but they have left him in the club in the charge of Ed now at the end of the episode. They've, they've left him there. Speaking of one great moment again in this episode, one of our fellow Gothamites uh, did send in a message to us saying that we have to end all episodes now on with Barbara's goodbye, which is Toodles Poodle. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I could keep a straight face doing that every single week. <laughs> but thanks for that, Doug. Toodle Pip, Toodles Poodle. <laughs> I think we can. Why sure. not? I think it's a good suggestion from Doug. Um, yeah, but again, that interaction between Leslie and Barbara, you know, where it's really pointed where Barbara goes, you're thriving on your life choices, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, I really like these two people that have broken free of Jim. Um, I know that sounds like he's an oppressive boyfriend, I suppose, but I, I really like that they're kind of, they are thriving. I really like these two characters now where they have that seven degrees of separation from Jim Gordon. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to last, but at at the moment, it really gives these characters um, a breathing space to develop. Um, in particular, Leslie, I think she's new to this. Barbara's had a bit of separation in the past. Yeah. But again, I really hope they go down the same route with Leslie as they've done with Barbara when, you know, finally and, and inevitably she meets back up with Jim where she's going to be really quite sarcastic towards him. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's been a really good choice for Barbara, and I think it would also work with Leslie as well. Yeah, yeah, but I do think she does have to come back to her comic book counterpart, who's a very caring older lady in the comic books, who provides medical help for Bruce uh, throughout the comic books and become gets a relationship with Alfred. Um, she does have to get back to that point by the end of this series, but I'm really liking that they have a storyline here. While Jim has mentioned... It's not because of Jim, this storyline, which is really nice for Leslie to have to play with. Absolutely. And speaking of Jim Gordon, Captain Jim Gordon is our third case note. Um, Yeah, and this is kind of the... The, in our five points, this is the serious, uh, the funny serious sandwich here yeah. of, of our case notes because this is a really uh, poignant story arc within this episode surrounded by all this real humor and good fun. Um, and this ultimately is Jim battling with himself as to whether he will sign 
the promotion that has been offered to him by the mayor. But of course, there are so many tags uh, attached to this promotion that really it has come by way of Sophia Falcone to arrange this. And of course, his partner, his friend, is still sat in the captain's chair. And this is, I think, has one of the best scenes ever to come out of Gotham. Uh, in this where Jim has come back from the bullet hole club um, where he gives the bullets that have injured former officers to them all um, buffed up uh, as kind of this token of their survival in in a sense. Exactly. And Harvey can't face them because he has been involved with their injuries by sending them into the trap that Professor Pig had set and, of course, actually shooting one of the officers as well. And We see us now in a wheelchair, so a pretty serious injury. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, that scene where Harvey has got the whiskey bottle out and Jim comes in, I think it is so well lit. I think the direction is amazing. I think the performance of these two characters, of Jim, of of Harvey, uh, by Donal Logue, and Ben McKenzie, are really, really good. I mean, this is uh, a knife to the back, and it plays quite well, I think, with our fourth case note as well, uh, with the Penguin, which we'll come to, obviously, in a minute. But I think the heartbreak, I think almost the shame from Harvey really comes across here, uh, and it, it, it really prompts Jim Gordon to finally sign his promotion letter and, and really remove Harvey from his role. And I think... You know, will we see, given that Harvey walks off with the whiskey bottle, is this where we kind of see him descend into that whiskey drinking, Pepto-Bismol swigging, um, you know, train crash of of an officer? It does seem like he's going back there, definitely. Yeah, I I turned to John directly after watching this scene, said this is probably the best thing they've ever committed to film on Gotham. It's not very often that we ever talk about awards for Gotham. They'll generally get things like the Special Effects Awards. They won't be in the writing categories or that kind of thing in the big awards shows like the Emmys. I honestly think that if you took this scene out of the episode and showed it to people who vote on these things and create awards for acting in the show. I think this is the scene that you would sell Gotham on. It's the scene that will show you how good Gotham is. I also like a a little change in the reference to the GCPD in this episode. We hear it twice in the episode called Gotham Central, which is how we originally started covering the show when we were looking through the the Gotham Central comic books um, to see how this city operates based around the central organization, the central police unit that takes care of criminals. So I kind of like that they changed it up this episode. They didn't mention the GCPD as far as I remember. It was always called Gotham Central within the episode. Nice, interesting change. Yeah, it was. It, it's a really good change. And I love that it references these Gotham Central comics that I think are really Really good from Brubacker. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. One thing I will say, I've been a I've been a fan of Donald Logue as this character since the beginning, and we both have. We've really, really enjoyed him. How he plays this scene is so interesting. Um I'm still still such a fan of the actor in the role. But right now, not a fan of Harvey Bullock, uh, personally. I think he has avoided the responsibility that comes with the role as captain. You know, he's been playing the fool a lot of the time throughout the seasons but he stepped up into the role of captain a couple of times this episode shows you that he has no idea how to do his job he's cowering like a child here this is something that a person that's in a position of authority really should be standing up to you have to take those hits as as jim says to him when he comes back 
Harvey says that he doesn't want to go to the Bullet Club because they just want to spit in, the, spit in his face because of what he did to Officer Patel. Yeah. And Jim says, well, that's their right. You have to be there for that. You have to take those hits on behalf of your team or else they're never going to respect you. And Harvey doesn't seem to see that he's done anything wrong here. He feels like he's taken the captaincy seat instead of Jim to protect Jim from the power that um, is involved in it or to protect him from the corruption that's involved in sitting that captain's seat. That's what he feels he's doing right here. Yeah. And he says to him, nothing in Gotham is free. What is this going to cost you? I certainly think it's going to cost Jim a lot by taking the captain's seat, especially because it's Sophia Falcone that brought him into this. Definitely. But I don't agree with Harvey's motives here. I think Harvey is cowering like a child here when he's supposed to be a captain. But I think um, that said, I think he has seen himself as the protector of Jim, the protector of the officers and the detectives underneath him by mm-hmm. being uh, the person who has taken the the bribe or the cash, is willing to do as the commissioner orders. I mean, it's not just him. This is through the structure as Absolutely. well. And I think here we've come to a, a moment in the job where as he says himself, today I couldn't do the job, so I sent you. Yeah. And I think there is, yeah, it, as you say, it's almost childlike. It's, it's shirking the responsibility. I don't think he ever felt that he would have needed to have done that. Um, and I think there is a realization from Harvey that he isn't able to do this job in the way that um, he sees that Jim could do it. Well, he does lash out at Jim saying, now you've got what you always wanted. Um, he does seem really hurt by the fact that Jim I, has taken this captaincy. Definitely. I'm not saying he's giving it up uh, willingly at all, but I think at the same time, I think he realizes that there are elements of this position that he is unable to do. Um, and yes, I think he feels betrayed. He feels hurt by Jim as well for taking that job because, as he says, nothing in Gotham is free. He knows that behind that, there is something that has been done for him to get that job yep. in the same way that he also um, had when he took on the role of um, the captain of the GCPD mm-hmm. of Gotham Central. And I think that's the point that he's making there. And I think, yes, you know, this city runs on um, bribes, on rigging and so on and this equally has been rigged for jim as much as it was for harvey as much as it was before with commissioner Loeb and all that within the gcpd i I agree but i do think that even without the mandate from the mayor which is the form that jim is supposed to sign i think even without that i think jim is in his absolute right to say to him you're not good enough for this job you needed to do the right thing today you didn't do it i'm going to take it over from you totally agree totally agree but let's get back to a bit more of the fun of the episode that is definitely the best scene that we've seen so far in gotham but let's get on to the the penguin taking a kid under his wing he uh, meets martine for the first time in again one of the funniest things i've seen in gotham so far a bullied child um being pushed around by other kids in this orphanage walks off gets himself a petrol can (laughs) (laughs) pours the petrol all over the school bags of his two bullies and lights a match to set them on fire and he can only talk through uh, through paper and pencil yes. back, back to explain this to Penguin. Good artist, though. Very impressed with Yeah, that. pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, I where say, did he get the, the gasoline tank from? It's you so know? funny. That's, um, you know, I'm surprised there wasn't Acme written on the side of it, like the cartoons from, uh, from the 50s and 60s. I thought that was really, really funny. Yeah, but it's great to see here Oswald finding this new project. This um, Martine 
is his chickens. Um, <laughs> you know, turning this bullied child into his own weapon, teaching him about revenge. Uh, that it's not just simply gasoline on their rucksacks, on their school packs. It is also about getting in there, messing with their minds, messing with their own reality. And that is a really good thing. And as well, it's just amazingly good how that then just clicks something in Oswald's brain after he's heard all of the bad news from Mr. Penn that maybe Sophia Falcone is not the best friend because friendship um, can hide from you what's right in front of your face. Yes. As Martin holds up a picture of two friends with daggers uh, in, their in, in their backs. Yes. You know, really, really good um, to have this. And I'm really glad that Oswald has had this moment of revelation. Mm -hmm. I always kind of thought he did. And yes, he has gotten blinded again by friendship. Um, but I think now he realizes that Sophia Falcone um, has been the architect of a lot of this bad news. I wonder what tipped it off. You know, was it that Jim is now the captain of the GCPD, that Firefly has been taken out, that Cherry um, has been shot, that Ed isn't in his custody, that the sirens have gone against him. You know, as I said in the uh, synopsis, it was a bad day at the crime office for, for Oswald. Um, but I suspect it must be Jim yeah. and his promotion to captain of Gotham Central. We did mention earlier on in the season, one of the things you can't take away from Sophia Falcone as a character is that she has done a really good job of convincing Oswald that she's on his side and she is his friend. We know that he ended last season or ended earlier on this season saying that he would never let anybody get that close again. But I think Sophia did a really good job of getting close. And it is only with the relationship with Martine here that he suddenly starts to realize when taken out of this woman whispering in your ear all the time about the things you want to hear when taken away from her for a couple of minutes. Working with this kid, Martine, he just realizes, actually, hold on a second, I'm letting this person get really close and when I think about all the things that are going wrong in my life right now, maybe she's the one at the center of it. I know Sophia, Sophia is close to Jim, so this is obviously her. So, uh-oh, poor Sophia. Yeah. In future. Um, Head in a box. One other line I love here from, uh, from Penguin is where he's saying to Martine, you don't want friends. Minions are better than friends. <laughs> you need minions. Uh, a, nice, a nice little comment from a Gotham villain as to how Gotham's going to go in the future. Yes, definitely. And our final case note really has to be about Leslie. Leslie Tompkins uh, stepping up in this episode. Um, we see the character of Cherry, who's been in kind of a background character for the last couple of episodes. A really interesting character. Lovely look. Really thick. Her yeah. look is cool. Cherry bomb. Yeah, but we find out that she's the one that turned over Ed to Oswald. Um, she's the one that called him out and said, he's here. Come get him, basically. It's weird doing that, considering how much money he was making for her, but I presume she thought she could cut out the middleman, get rid of Ed, and keep Grundy fighting in her club. But yeah, a bullet to the head for Cherry yeah. from Barbara as she signs her resignation um, to Oswald, or signs the resignation of the sirens to Oswald. Interesting. Again, I wonder if there's going to be something, some kind of backlash to Barbara and the sirens when Oswald learns that they've stepped away from their mission, effectively. But yeah, I think there's, it leads to a really interesting scene between Ed and Leslie. This whole Ningrunkin's uh, as we christened it, uh, relationship between Nigma Grundy and uh, and Tompkins. It's really come to a really a, a good point here. Ed and Ed and Leslie have the conversation in the in the ring where the crowd are cheering for her to take over the position from Cherry. And he says to her a really really good line. He says, "You heal their children. You fix the warriors. You slayed a fire breathing monster, which is 
Firefly, and you kill their queen. He's created this mythical surrounding genesis of Leslie Tompkins for the people of the Definitely. Paris. Thought that was really cool. And her response to it when he says, you just need to do something to get them on your side, she goes, drinks on the house. Yeah, what uh, better way to go? Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's really good to see Leslie in this sort of funky, grungy, um, sassy new position as head of Cherry's Fight Club. Yeah, it's a pity that we've lost Cherry. She was a really interesting character uh, that we've seen in the last couple of Big episodes. Time, yeah. I, love, I love these crazy characters in Gotham. Similar to Laurie Petty uh, when she played the punk singer in season three, season two. Um, similar to that character appearing in the background and just making a good impact. But uh, sadly, I don't think we're going to get Cherry back. I don't think there's a Lazarus pick close enough to, uh, to the Narrows to pull her <laughs> into. Or Indian Hill being shut down. You never know. Maybe she'll get dumped in Murder Swamp and have a fight with, uh, with Grundy in future. Yeah, she could be Chundy. <laughs> and could become the love interest for Grundy. You never know. You never you know. Never, never know like, in Gotham. It sounds like Tabitha wants Grundy back. And who wouldn't? He's a, a cute little lug if he's not punching you in the face and trying to rip off your arm. Oh, how sweet. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Little I, arm ripping off love making. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Gotham moment of the week, John. What's your favorite moment from this episode? It's the arm ripping off um, battering scene, I think. Yes. Stop hitting yourself. Um, it was just a nice little tag here, mm-hmm. um, I think. Certainly from a humorous side. Yes. I think for me, though, um, after that, um, or before that, I should say, uh, the moment is Jim and Harvey in the captain's office. Without um, doubt. Without doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um, like you said, you turned to me and said, I think that's the best thing that Gotham has ever done. And it's exactly what I was thinking at the same time yeah. uh, as I watched it. It was tense. It was meaningful. It was poignant given the history between Jim and, and Harvey, the the situation in which it came about from this trap by Professor Pig. So it was just an, a, a really good crescendo of that storyline for these two key figures mm-hmm. in Gotham Central. Absolutely. A really, really, really good scene. Uh, Gotham Character of the Week, because we haven't really called him out as our Gotham Character of the Week in the past, we normally just choose a character that's in an episode of the show that's just some a background character, but we've got to choose Mr. Penn for this episode. I felt so sorry. The guy plays it so well. The actor who plays Mr. Penn, playing it so well as he delivers more and more bad news to, to <laughs> Oswald throughout this episode he does seem to stand just beyond arm's length of oswald yes from knife length i think yeah absolutely i think he knows what's going to happen uh if he gives bad news and oswald's been that character that he doesn't like bad news being delivered to him at all so how mr penn has survived um so far this season (laughs) fair dues to him i must say one question i do have about his name is it his real name or is it like the old minions of the villains in gotham where they take some portion of the name of the person they're serving so he's taking mr penn will there be a mr gwyn who will be the other minion of penguin in future and it'll be mr penn and mr gwyn but i just thought it was quite fun. who knows but mr penn is mightier than the swords and the hired swords that oswald has had around him he is outlasting all these minions um so the pen is mightier than the sword indeed and i think we need to give a special shout out to martine the bullied kid as well oh yes like he um yeah, he looked like the omen. It was the omen. Um, it was really good. I loved how he communicated through drawings. Mm-hmm. It was just so, so good. And that interaction with Oswald was a really 
nice aspect of this episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, John, how would you rate this episode of Gotham? Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Um, I would rate this as five severed, bleeding, uh, and bloody arms out of five. And primarily for the story arc with Jim and how it played out with Harvey and with Sophia and with ultimately with the Penguin as he realizes Sophia might be behind all this bad news. Yeah. I also think that having such a... A serious storyline as well uh, within this episode, coupled to the pure chaos and humor around Cherry's Fight Club, um, was a great balancing act. I really enjoyed it. it. It had everything in spades. I mean, you could simply have done Jim and Harvey's story arc through this episode on its own without any of the other i'll call them distractions if you will of cherry's fight club the sirens and ed nigma and so on it it worked and and i think it's what as i said gotham does really well that it is able to bring this ensemble together and and really um look at each of these individual points over the course of an hour-long episode Mm -hmm. um and, and treat them so well and i think the treatment of jim and harvey here is exceptional you know, I didn't think watching the episode that it was going to be a five out of five episode, but I absolutely agree with you. This has, as I say, the best scene that's ever been committed to Gotham so far, um, and it has some of the funniest and most ridiculous things that I've ever seen in Gotham so far, and they just work. I think having someone as experienced as Rob Bailey on uh, in the director's chair for this episode, I'd love to also know who edited it and put it together. That scene with Jim and Harvey follows a pretty hilarious fight scene that's going on between Tabitha and Butch and Cherry's Club. And it works. It does. They do a great job. Really, really enjoyed this episode overall. I think it's up there with one of my favorite episodes. Definitely. It's time to get on to feedback uh, for this episode of Gotham. If you want to send us in your feedback, you can email us to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com or you can send us a voicemail over on our website at gothamtvpodcast.com. Lots of feedback uh, in this time. Uh, we got an email in from Kat Tarko. Just want to say sorry to Kat for not including your email for last week's episode. About an hour after recording, your email for that episode had come in, and we couldn't, unfortunately, get time out to uh, to go back and record. But thanks so much for sending us your email. Uh, Kat starts with, oh my goodness, I don't even know where to start. This feedback is going to be very chaotic because I'm so freaking excited. This is by far my favorite episode of the season so far. Let's start with our pals in the narrows. Corey told us about this episode, and boy, did it not disappoint. I hope I see lots of glitter suits on the ne- at the next con. But seriously, cosplaying as your ex to mock him? Way to not give him the power, man. I definitely felt some Nygmoppelpot feels when he was talking about the city loving him. Exactly what Ed taught him at the beginning of Season 3. I'm really enjoying the growing camaraderie between him and Lee. I had no idea how this could possibly work. But it really is. Speaking of Lee, holy crap is she stepping up her game. There was not one scene of her this week that did not have me cheering for her. Between her punching Barbara, taking down Firefly, and becoming the leader of the Narrows, this season's Lee may be my favourite storyline, which is very unexpected. As sad as I was to see Sherry go, at least she went out in the coolest outfit of hers yet. And her death (laughs) means we get to see Lee take on that leadership role. Yeah, it was such a good combination uh, within the Narrows of all these different characters. I definitely agree uh, about Lee stepping up uh, her game and and on this ascent to 
power in the Narrows mm-hmm. and leader of the Narrows. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. Kat goes on to say, I was also surprised by how much I'm enjoying the sirens. Barbara is really growing on me, and I'm excited to see what they'll be up to now that they're not working for Penguin. Speaking of Penguin, boy, have a lot of my fears been quelled. Not only did I thoroughly enjoy his training of his little minion, I'm excited that it has become quite clear that he sees through Sophia's game. You guys never lost faith in him. I shouldn't have either. But at the same time, I knew Penguin was going to have to be taken down a notch for the sake of plot, so I'm excited to see that it more through her manipulation of Jim as opposed to her manipulation of Penguin. I think Gotham has done a very good job this season of slowly revealing plans and motives and how characters are developing, growing, learning and changing. That's a really, really good point, Kat. I know that I was seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter and on Facebook about people kind of giving up on the show because their favourite character of Penguin seemed to be being kind of quashed by Sophia. They weren't understanding why he was taking a back seat. It did take a bit longer than we were hoping, as, as we discussed, but I think it was the right point in time to make that change, to make him realise that he is being played by Sophia Falcone. Yeah, and done in a really good way by teaching uh, Martin, his minion, um, how to protect himself from getting too close to people and that friendship can be a double-edged sword. Uh, and I, I thought that was a nice little touch as well, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, finally, Kat says, of course, the Harvey and Jim interaction was painful. I thought it was very poignant juxtaposed against Penguin's monologue about friendship and Jim in the end admitting that he had stabbed Harvey in the back. I understand why he did what he did, but I thought it was pretty conceited to decide Sophia needs to go right after she made him captain. Like she said, he asked for a gangster help. What did he expect? Again, sorry for the chaotic review, but this episode left me so excited. I can't wait to see how this develops next week. Another good point, Kat. Yeah, he does drop Sophia immediately after she made him captain. But remember, Jim didn't ask her to make him captain. Um, this was not his plan. His plan was to take out the penguin. And she's saying, well, I did this for you because I'm a Falcone and because I'm your friend. I made you captain. But again, that puts Jim in someone else's pocket, which is something he never wants to do. Yeah. What did he expect? Thank you, Kat, for the feedback there. Remember, any feedback can come through on feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Yeah, just send on over an email. Yeah, we have another bit of feedback through from Claire Payne as well. Stop hitting yourself certainly had a gruesome meaning. I love this type of Gotham episode because it's a real mixed bag of drama, reveals, and comedy. Ed showing off his theatrical side was superb. Grundy ripping his opponent's arm off was done very well, considering the time of night Gotham airs. True. Grundy starting to see flashes of Tabitha when he was Butch was interesting, as maybe Butch is not gone forever. The Siren's reaction to the Fight Club was excellent, watching Ed do his presentation in the centre of the ring. Tabitha seeing Grundy, Barbara spotting Leslie in the crowd, and Selena, well, she's there to get the job done. Selena laughing at Oswald when he had another one of his tantrums was brilliant. She made me laugh, and I really like how she is quite sassy with him because she has managed to strike a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That was a really good moment as well where she just sees the sense of humor in Penguin overreacting. Definitely. <laughs> um, definitely. And I, I love that Tabitha gives her a little nudge, and but you can see that Tabitha's almost breaking as well, but she's able to restrain herself. Definitely. Um Claire goes on to say, Sophia, I think, is definitely too mysterious, and I agree with what you have both said over the last few episodes. I think Sophia has underestimated Oswald. It looked to me Oswald does suspect that her friendship is not all what it seems. I would suspect Oswald would work out with the mayor giving the captain's job to Jim. A Falcone could influence that. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Claire. That is going to be the moment. He, Jim could not get that chair without the help of the Falcons. You're, you're absolutely right. Yep. Oswald and Martin were perfect together. Uh, Oswald's advice to Martin was definitely impressionable. The scene where Oswald is showing Martin how to stab someone was extraordinary and gave Oswald a chance to show off in front of someone. That was hilarious. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, you know, certainly probably beats chemistry for Martin. Um <laughs> A real shocker to kill off Cherry, as I think we all agree in the fandom, she was a great addition to Gotham. Yeah. But I have to say, I really liked how Ed tells Leslie she is their new leader. Uh, I am so excited to see how or if there is now a potential understanding or relationship with the Sirens. I'm glad to see that Jim is still not involved in Lee's storyline. Yeah, yeah me too, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think to see how all these misfits come together in the Narrows will be really, really good. Claire finishes off Jim and Harvey. The acting was not overdramatic and was fantastic. Yeah. Harvey is a great cop and did a fine job at being captain, but it is Jim's time to take over. Jim certainly admits to not doing things by the book, but he can see the bad impacts Penguina. The GCPD need Jim and Harvey as a stable enforcement. And for my own personal reasons, I love these two characters together. Um, my character of the week is the bravest man in Gotham, Mr. Penn. He wow. delivers so much bad news to Oswald. Favorite line of the episode is from Barbara when Tabitha sees Butch. You owe me an apology for electrocuting me. <laughs> I think possibly this is one of my favorite episodes and will go into my top 10, Claire. Nice. Yeah, totally in agreement there. I'm glad you picked up Mr. Penn there. That We hadn't actually seen your, your feedback before we started because you just sent it in just as we were recording. So uh, I'm, I'm surprised yeah. you picked Mr. Penn the same week we did because he's had a couple of moments in the last couple of weeks. Definitely well. hot off the press yes. from Claire. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Claire, for, for the feedback. Um, um, again, through feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. And over on our Facebook group, which you can join over at facebook.com slash groups slash gothamtvpodcast. Annalise says, okay, what can I say about this episode? My emotions are all over the place after this one. The fracture of Jim and Harvey's relationship was what got me the most. The betrayal, at least how I saw it, of Jim taking the captain's position from Harvey really bugged me. Jim almost seemed insensitive to the whole situation Harvey was going through and telling them to just get over it. The fact that he shot a cop and do the job. Harvey adding to adding that Jim will pay up someday will be interesting, and I wonder just what that price will be. I also hope that Harvey will continue to be a part of the show, despite him being relieved of the captain's chair, and I hope that his recent guilt doesn't drive him to suicide. Interesting take on it, Annalise. Yeah, I, as I say, the most sympathetic character probably in all of Gotham is Harvey Bullock. He's gone through a huge amount before even the show began. He was already at his lowest point, as we saw early on in the first couple of seasons, so he is the most sympathetic character. But I think for me... And I know it's a difference of opinion, obviously, but I think for me, this is the right thing to have happened. I don't think it's a betrayal of Jim. I think Jim is realizing that this is the wrong place for Harvey to be. If he's a person that is drinking himself into an early grave because of think bad things that have happened to him, and he puts himself in this situation after the first really bad thing that's happened, it's not the right place for him to be in the captain's chair. But obviously, love a difference of opinion in our feedback. Yeah, but I mean, and it's also, it is a betrayal as well in, in the sense that, you know, Harvey maybe never expected that there would be that brutal exchange between the two of them. And I think that's what it is. It's just very brutal yeah. from uh, our exchange of, of views, maybe some hard truths that come uh, in between this 
tightest of partnership and friendship in Gotham Central in the GCPD precinct. And I think that's what really hits home here. And I think that's why this scene is so good, uh, no matter which uh, side of the desk uh, you are on in in relation to that, definitely. Absolutely. Annalise goes on to say, so many different reunions and interactions in this episode. I knew that Tabitha and Grundy would be tough to see the first time. But just as Drew had said, Butch is indeed buried deep inside Grundy. Babs and Lee meeting again also did not disappoint. For the first time since season two, I actually started liking Lee's character again after the events of this episode. I'd be interested to see how she uses this new power that she's been given. Ed was the much-needed comic relief for this episode with his over-the-top Oswald impersonation. Also, I am in love with his new glittery green suit. I love it. I, I did see a comment on uh, on Twitter the other day where they were slagging the Gotham TV writers who'd said, no, no, Ed's definitely not gay. And then they bring him out in, in a glittery green suit for this episode. Uh, really, really good. Yeah, fun, fun interactions in this episode from Ed. I think he's great when he's in this position at the moment. Really enjoying him. Uh, Adelise continues with Oswald's interaction with the young orphan boy Martin was touching, but I can't help but be a little suspicious of him, as I'm pretty sure he's the same kid who's standing next to Professor Pig in the promotional photos for next week's episode. And the kid didn't appear to look too frightened by Pig. Speaking of Pig, I missed him dearly in this episode, as well as Alfred and Bruce, of course. But from what Sean had told us at the Gotham Con episode 9 is an important episode for Bruce and Alfred so I'm even more excited for next week I would say next week's going to be an important episode for Bruce he's going to be recovering for like a four day hangover oh definitely <laughs> he's got champagne head on him oh yes yes and everything else uh, I'd say Alfred's going to have a couple of stern words for his young charge next week yeah and some Solpadine <laughs> probably thanks so much for that feedback Annalise great to hear from you again for this yeah, week's episode thank you so much Annalise Jason Wiley comes in with Ahoy Captains, another great episode this week. It was great seeing the various divisions going on with Babs, Tabs and Cat turning against Pengi and now Pengi seeing the light against Sophia. I wonder what will happen now Lee has won the club. It was also well a welcome return to the season one style cop show with yeah. Jim having to do the right thing and turn up for that police gathering. Bullock is on a slippery road and it was gut-wrenching the way Jim had to become captain, but he had no other choice. Maybe this is the questionable path that Ben was on about this season. I fear that now Jim has got the GCPD that Bullock may put a wrench in the works somewhere down the line. Or is that just it? Will Jim be on his accession towards commissioner at last? Who knows? Absolutely uh, great uh, feedback there, Jason. Um, I think this will be really interesting to see how this dynamic is pushed now with Jim as the captain and how that affects him and Bullock. And is Bullock on this slippery slope, as you say, to heavy drinking, Pepto-Bismol, you know, all this kind of thing. Think back to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to that. But I, I think, um, you know, that is an integral part of, of Bullock's character from the comics is that he does seem like this down-and-out detective and maybe, you know, he has dipped his hand into the filth too much at uh, the GCPD yeah. and returns to maybe being a, a, a more dubious detective than he was. He was always with Fish Mooney. You know, there was an element of protection there of Fish Mooney. So he was in on the crime scene always um, yeah. whilst in the job. And he's gone even further into that, obviously, by taking bribes. Yeah. So is this kind of a point of no return, as you say, uh, for, for Bullock? And will that 
gap between him and Jim widen, narrow, or, or how will that play out? So really interesting, definitely. Yeah, something about the characters of Jim and uh, Bullock. Bullock's definitely in the comic books, definitely in the in the cartoons um, from the 90s. He's definitely been around in the Batman universe in the past. It's never necessarily been said that Jim and Harvey have been friends before. They certainly know each other. There's certainly interactions between the two characters many times over the, the times they appeared together. But They've never been shown as friends, so I wonder if this is just the main fracture between Harvey and Jim, and that the two of them won't have many scenes together in future, um, that he may be working with a new partner potentially, and we'll see Harvey being doing the investigations again and back back in those seats. Thanks so much for that feedback, Jason. Really good to hear from you. And finally, Charlotte Bain over on our Facebook group says, love this episode so much. Jim and Harvey was so bittersweet. Ultimately, Jim had to take the captain promotion. I hope Harvey will get through this. His hurt, self-pity and despair and alcohol dependency is gut-wrenching. Well, that's just being Irish, isn't it? (laughs) Charlotte goes on to say, Jim, I am so glad he did not kiss Sophia. Sophia is manipulating truly a gangster, saying that Harvey is a mercy killing. Wow. Penguin, he saw himself in Martine, helping him out in regards to his bully situation, but yikes, showing him how to gut someone. (laughs) And Ed, my boy, I love him. He's so amazing and extra special. He had some smarts going on when he reasoned with Lee to take control due to Cherry's demise. Poor Cherry. She shouldn't have acted grimy towards her own narrows people. But great shot, Babs. Lee and Barbara interaction, I loved it. She always wanted to clock her ever since their fight a couple of seasons ago. Babs calling her sexy and self-righteous. Loved Selena. She's the glue that holds the other three together. Tabs and Grundy, she loves him. And Grundy is starting to remember her. Before the last hit she did, he said, Tabby, in Butch's voice, I feel so bad for those two sweethearts. Love the episode. Oh, and Firefly got it from Lee. Whoa, again, awesome episode. Charlotte also adds, oh yes, a touching moment when Ed was trying to reassure Grundy that Firefly was not going to hurt him. Ed had saved his arm from fire after they met first time. I like that part too, the nice friendship connection. Yeah, really good, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a really good point. I'm, I'm really glad that people seem to be on our side about this episode because, as I said, it's quite difficult when you rate an episode as a five out of five, give it the highest of ratings, and then you're wondering whether other people like the episode as much as you do or have you just been indoctrinated by Gotham. This is a Gotham episode for Gotham fans, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so good. One of the things, Charlotte, I think I really um, want to pick up on as well, yeah, Tabitha hits Grundy uh, after he said Tabby in his butcher's voice. I wonder if she's knocked the butch out of him again and he is back to, to Grundy and he has no recollection of that. Or as Drew Powell has said, you know, that Butch is buried deep inside. And will we see that flare up to the surface uh, when he sees Tabby again? It'll be really interesting. Yeah, because we did hear him speak again and we heard when he's on the floor. And as you say, Charlotte, when Ed's talking to him to reassure him, he does say Grundy safe. So he's back with his Grundy voice after that, after that. hit. Yes. So it's definitely not going to be butch next week speaking in the body of grundy it's it's back to grundy but thanks so much for all of the feedback that we've gotten this week definitely a special episode of gotham and really looking forward to next week's episode but as we said subscribe to the podcast so you can hear our thoughts on next week's episode and every episode of gotham that we'll be talking about Uh, the next episode of gotham is episode nine of season four let them eat pie the return of professor pig that airs on the 16th of november the following week is thanksgiving in the u.s and as we said there is a break but this isn't the season ending break um i thought it would be i thought this was going to be the half season break for for the Christmas period. Uh, It's only gone away for a week. During that week, we'll be covering Justice League, which will be out in the cinema. Next week, go see us, tell us your thoughts, and we'll be covering it uh, after we cover Let Them Eat Pie. And then after that, we're coming back at the end of November with 
Things That Go Boom, episode 10 of Gotham. Yeah, absolutely. As always, thank you so much for, for listening, and we will speak with you again next time. Yep, toodles poodles. We'll talk to you again next time. Yep. See, Doug, we did it for you. Toodles poodles, and it's a big toodle pip from me as well. <laughs> Bye. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast. <laughs>